It's Black Friday. While you're looking for deals, so are the Florida Gators, as we're still waiting on the next head coach to be announced. We'll also be joined by Ian Cummings of Pro Football Network to talk about the Florida Gators in the 2022 NFL Draft and his latest seven-round mock draft, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day, available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash lockdown NCIA for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Happy Black Friday. I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com where you can find all of my written work. And I'm wearing the same shirt I was yesterday because I'm recording this on Wednesday night because I'm not recording on Thanksgiving because I will be stuffed. So I am recording this again Wednesday night. So yeah, but first, before we get into the Ian Cummings bit, we're going to talk about the coaching update. I got three more coaches to talk about for you. I mentioned one of them on yesterday's episode, but that's going to be later on. I'm talking about this because Mark Stoops, of course, is the head coach of Kentucky, like I just mentioned, and Lance Daw on Lockdown Kentucky on Wednesday's episode was like, oh, Mark Stoops would not leave Kentucky for Florida. And well, 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 Lance, I kind of agree, but at the same time, I have my reasons for why. I, I'm not saying I think he will, but why I think he would take the Florida job if offered. And I think at the very least, we owe that, you know, a little deep dive into it. So Kentucky's head coach, of course, Mark Stoops. Experience as a defensive backs coach at South Florida, Wyoming, Houston, Miami, Arizona, and Florida State. And that's great for Mark Stoops because when you come to Florida, DBs are going to come to you. That's how that works. Florida gets the DBs, no matter how bad we are. DBs are coming to Florida. So Mark Stoops being able to work with them initially would be fantastic. Could see a $2 million pay increase in Gainesville. And I think that's a reasonable, modest increase there. He's currently making about five with Kentucky, which is, I mean, $2 million is a lot. That's like, what? That's adding 40% salary to his current salary. So I don't see why that would be a big deal there. He could look to bring uh, other members of his Kentucky staff with him, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. I could see some people because, again, Mark Stoops, defensive backs coach. He's a defensive-oriented coach, which is actually the theme today, apparently. Didn't even realize that at first, but here we are. And Mark Stoops has had multiple top 30 classes at Kentucky. And I realize top 30 seems like nothing, really. But he's had these top 30 classes at Kentucky. The prestige of Florida, way higher. The resources at Florida, way higher. The program tradition at Florida, way higher. So Mark Stoops has been able to do more with less, which I get it. Reminds us of Dan Mullen with Mississippi State. And we were like, oh, well, once he gets to Florida, he's in a clean house and we are dumb. But uh, no, not the case of Mark Stoops. I don't believe so. Mark Stoops has built these top 30 classes and Mark Stoops has put plenty of players into the NFL from Kentucky, specifically DBs over the past couple of years. He's really been working then in the upcoming senior bowl. There's a couple guys. So Mark Schoops has been doing a fantastic job at Kentucky. I don't think he's likely to come to Florida because I don't think Florida would offer it to him, which 
Lance Dahl mentioned he's not a he's not a flashy name, and Florida seems to be looking for a flashy name. Another name that I'm going to talk about is someone that I'm not super keen on coming back here. And uh, I said back here, so you get that. Yesterday I spoke about Brian Johnson, who's the Eagles quarterback coach. Now I'm talking about Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, former coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Bit of a career resurgence recently. His defense has been a lot better. He's got Micah Parsons, who he's been using phenomenally. By the way, Micah Parsons was always going to be a versatile chess piece that needed to be used in the right way. Dan Quinn is doing exactly that former defensive coordinator and defensive line coach for Florida. Currently, he's on the Dallas Cowboys staff with Joe Philbin and Ben McAdoo, who have offensive coordinator and head coach experience, although they both sucked at it, and they could come to Florida with him. However, I'm not sure Joe Philbin and Ben McAdoo are really a college-friendly scheme, but you've got Scott Tolzien, who used to be a quarterback in the NFL, and Doug Nussmeyer, who can come with Dan Quinn to Florida to be the offensive coordinator. I also wouldn't rule out Brian Johnson as an offensive coordinator possibility here. I mentioned him yesterday as a head coaching candidate, but I think he's more likely going to be an offensive coordinator kind of guy. And Dan Quinn's been out of college for a long time, which worries me because recruiting has changed. Everything has changed. Dan Quinn was recruiting before social media was blown up like it is, but he did bring players like Alex Anzalone, who was notorious for committing, decommitting, and Jared Davis to Gainesville. So he's got the reputation of bringing NFL-caliber players to Gainesville. Finally, Alex Grinch, the Oklahoma defensive coordinator. I mentioned him yesterday with Lincoln Riley. If Lincoln Riley came here, maybe Alex Grinch would follow, but maybe Alex Grinch just gets the head coaching job himself. Alex Grinch is a defensive back specialist like Mark Stoops, but he was at Missouri, Ohio State, Washington, and Wyoming. So the only thing they shared was Wyoming, which is great, whatever. But Alex Grinch has done a lot with this Oklahoma defense over the past couple of years. This year is kind of rough, but just two years ago, they were like a top 26 passing defense when they were number, what, 130 or something like that, when he, like the year before he got there. So he's on Oklahoma staff with Kale Gundy and Bill Bedenball, who are co-offensive coordinators. And of course, they are Lincoln Riley disciples at this point. But I would imagine that one of them would be enticed to come to Gainesville with Alex Grinch should he be hired because they would get sole play calling duties, which they don't get in Oklahoma because Lincoln Riley is that guy. So that could entice him to come to Gainesville. And Alex Grinch is also on staff with current Oklahoma running backs coach DeMarco Murray, who I wouldn't rule out wanting to come here for a bigger job, maybe running backs coach run game coordinator also, or maybe do a co-offensive coordinator thing here, but I, I don't think that works out well when you don't have an offensive-based head coach. So Alex Grinch would probably have to find a bona fide offensive coordinator, which I'm sure he could do. I wouldn't doubt that, especially with someone that especially with someone that's going to be as sought after as Alex Grinch will be. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your cat climbs in front of your PlayStation and your screen and you can't see the meter and then you shank it. It's, oh my gosh. Is that how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. Over 27 Thousand businesses already use NetSuite, and right now through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash lockdownncaa. Head to netsuite.com slash lockdownncaa for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That is netsuite.com 
com slash locked on NCAA. All right. And here I am joined by Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network, Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine on Twitter. How you doing, Ian? Doing good, man. Well, I guess not doing good. You just wasted like two minutes of analysis. <laughs> we were, we were, we got started and I was getting into my whole spiel. And then he's like, oh, wait, we're not recording. So come on, man. No, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, it. I noticed something was different on the screen. And that evidently <laughs> is that there was no timer there, timing how long we've been recording. So that was really fun. But uh, <laughs> we had Ian on a month or two ago to talk about his last seventh round mock. Now we have another seven round mock for me and they released last week. And I know you already explained this, but now explain it for the actual listeners here. Uh, Kair Elam was the first Gator off the board, 22nd overall to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, so I, I remember I, I told you last time we were going over the mocks because I, I dove into some Florida guys right before the podcast just to kind of brush up on them. And, you know, I came away very impressed with some of the little things that I saw. And I was like, you know, I, I only had a couple guys in this one. I'm probably going to have more in the next one. And lo and behold, I did obviously leading it off with Kyrie Elam. And I don't think there's any competition for who's going to be the first off the board from Florida other than Elam. I think he's far and away the best prospect that the school has and has been. You know, during the summer, he was kind of a CB1 candidate for me. Uh, I don't think he's going to be there anymore, but he's still in the first round conversation. You know, uh, he's the Florida defense hasn't quite meshed this year, but, you know, I'm not going to penalize Elam for that. I think more often than not, and he, he was hurt a little bit before, earlier in the year. But when he's been healthy, I think he's been good. And he's kind of flashed those trademark traits that really drew me to him in the summer. And those traits were, you know, having that elite hip fluidity for his size at 6'2", 193 pounds. You know, you look at those 6'2 guys, sometimes they're going to be a little leggy, not quite as efficient with their weight transfers. And, you know, the margin for error at corner is very slim because you're mirroring these NFL receivers who are really twitchy. You know, they can change directions quickly. So if you fall a step behind, Sometimes that's all they need to get into space and, and burn you, you know. So not only is he super fluid for his size, he's also physical. You know, he's aggressive. I like how quickly he can process. I love his ball skills, too. So I think he has all the traits that you need to be a number one cornerback in the NFL. And I look at the Chiefs, their secondary. Obviously, the defense has kind of rebounded since the start of the year. But I still think they could use more talent. I think they have a couple contracts set to expire. So I, I look at them. They like versatility in their secondary a lot. But I also think there's value in having a guy that can lock down one end and kind of free you up to do other things on the, in the rest of the secondary. And I think Kair Elam is exactly that guy. Just put him on one side and forget about him, you know. So I think that, you know, this corner class, it's, it's weird. He's, he's fallen down the board a little bit. You know, obviously 22nd, not as, not as high as he went last time. But, you know, that's not really a, a slight to him. It's more of a nod to how strong this corner class is. You look at guys like, uh, Derek Stanley Jr., obviously Andrew Booth, Trent McDuffie, Ahmad Gardner, and then uh, Washington's Kyler Gordon, too. Uh, I recently scouted him, and I was blown away. So this corner class is really strong at the top. Uh, so sometimes guys are just going to fall a little bit. I, I, me personally, I don't think Elam should fall out of round one. I think his athletic testing is going to be good enough to kind of reinforce that. I think he's definitely, if not a round one guy, someone who's going to be swiped with the first picks in the second round because he's a talented player. And uh, he's got a bright future ahead, in my opinion. I've, I've always been a big fan of him. I think he's a good fit for the Chiefs. Yes, you should be a big fan of his. Um, there's another Gator defender who uh, I believe, I mean, I noticed that, spoiler alert, uh, Brenton Cox Jr., I believe, was in your last mock, and he is not here now. Yeah. Um, but the other defensive lineman that was in your mock and is here now is Zachary Carter. You have him going to the Patriots at 89. 
And by the way, I, I hate that instantly because I just hate the Patriots. But I, I love your reasoning for it. Yeah, yeah. No, the Patriots, they they favor versatility on that line, you know, and I think they, they have their defensive tackle that they can just put at three tech and Christian Barmore. I think Zachary Carter, first off, the Patriots, I think they could use some extra edge depth. They do have Matthew Judon, who's been a very good player this year. Uh, but I do think they could use a little more depth there. And I think Zachary Carter, if you're looking for depth guys, you know, not only is he depth, but, you know, he's 6'4", 285. I think he could shade inside with that size. I really like that versatility element to his game. You know, he has a good first step. I think he's very powerful, too, when he times the extensions properly. He can definitely levy that power and, and generate disruption off of that. So I think that you look at that, what, what the Patriots are looking for. You know, he's a guy at 285. You can put him on the edge. You know, that's rare. You don't often see that. But he he moves very well. He's pretty light on his feet. You know, a lot more than I'd expect for a guy with those measurements. He wears that weight really well. Uh, so I look at that. You know, it, it's just the versatility element. Because teams nowadays are using hybrid fronts, you know, mixing mixing things up on that back end. You know, it, it kind of, the, the defensive line kind of facilitates all that. You know, what's going on in the defense. You know, you can get a three-man front and then kind of mix things up on the back end. Uh, I think Zachary Carter is one guy that kind of flourishes in that system because whatever you're doing, I feel like there, there's a role for him. There's a spot for him on the field. If you got an odd front, then you can file in at three tech, be that 285 guy. But also if you got an even front, you know, I think he can shade in a defensive end easily. So having that versatility, having that all around utility, and he's been pretty productive this year too. So I think that Zachary Carter, you know, he's kind of working his way into that day two conversation. Testing will be key as always in solidifying that, but I expect him to test pretty well for his size and that all around utility is just kind of going to kind of strengthen his stock as draft season comes around. So I'm a fan of his, you know, I, I projected him under the interior at first, but the more I look at him, I think he's kind of a guy. He's more one of those guys where don't pigeonhole him into one spot. You know, he can play edge. He can go a little bit inside, just let him play where he can, you know, situationally where he matches up best. And I think having that flexibility is a very valuable thing. We talk about flexibility with linebackers and safeties and corners and stuff like that, but it applies just as much in the defensive line. If you can have a guy who can fulfill both roles, um, I think that's valuable. And I think Zachary Carter provides that. All right. And then there's the last person for this segment, who's the last day to pick here. Uh, someone who wasn't in the mock last time, but I do remember you speaking about him saying that you liked his game. Justin Shorter, the wide receiver to the Bills at 93 overall. Yeah, so this was a fun one, man. He's a fun player. And it's an interesting player, too, because he was a highly rated recruit, you know, transferred from Penn State. And a lot of people kind of just forgot about him. You know, we kind of got buried. You know, at first, there's a lot of hype when he was coming out of high school. I think he's like around 6'5", 220 or something, 6'5", 210, somewhere in that range. He's over 200. He's 6'5", maybe going to measure in a little shorter, like 6'4 or something. But, you know, he, he's definitely an athletic specimen. That much you can say. And it definitely shows up on tape. I think he has enough vertical athleticism to get upfield. He's flashed some lateral agility as a route runner, which I really like. It seems like he's got a lot of the athletic traits still figuring out how to channel it. But he's been hot lately. You know, he's been making plays. And I look at that, you know, I look at his ability. I think he has enough athleticism to separate. And I also think, you know, he's just got, you know, that, that big frame. He can easily box out guys at the catch point. And he has the athleticism to go up, contort, the ball tracking ability, the body control. I think he's flashed all of that on occasion. Uh, so I think that, you know, looking at him might not have that top-notch production that you're looking for from early round receivers, but he's going to test very well for his size. And I think that alone, you know, I think back to Miles Boykin, a guy who didn't have great college collegiate production, 
but tested well and ended up going, you know, early on to the Ravens. So I think, you know, honestly, I think shorter might be a, a better prospect. Now I do think Boykin was overdrafted, you know, I definitely overdrafted, but shorter has those traits, you know, and also you think about the situation at Florida, you know, coaches not utilizing guys properly all the time. I think there's a case to be made that he could have done even more. And I know Brandon's like, look, he's like, yeah, yep, that's it. That's it. So, you know, I think going to the Bills especially is a good fit for him. I think the Bills have always, you know, they, they like to have a, a variety of guys in the receiving cores. You, you think back to them now, they got guys like Gabriel Davis. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins was a the guy that they, that they picked up. Um, they got, But then they also have those smaller guys, those utility guys, Cole Beasley, a great slot. Stephon Diggs, kind of that X guy, you know, so he just does everything. So I think that, you know, having that variety, having a guy, I think that the one thing they might be lacking is a guy like Justin Shorter, you know, who could be that X factor with that size and that athleticism. Anybody else make money this weekend? Because I know I didn't. I, I, I tried, but I didn't. <laughs> bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Obviously, Florida sucks, so that sucked for me. Florida's basketball has been doing pretty well for me, covering yay. And bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure to use promo code locked on. That is L O C K E D, no space O N for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with betonline.ag. Have y'all tried Bill Bar Puffs? Because they, mm, they good. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let you know that Bill Bar is the best protein bar on the market, and Bill Bar Puffs are incredibly scrumptious, scrumptiously umptious. If you're trying to eat clean but you've got a sweet tooth like me, that is no longer a problem. Bill Bar is your low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and most importantly, high fiber solution. You can even enjoy it if you're keto. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at builtorbuiltbar.com. All right, and then uh, someone who I've been talking about extensively and someone I will continue to talk about is running back Damian Pierce. You have him going to the Chargers at pick 123. And I love him so much. And I love I loved seeing his name that high in the draft. Yeah, man. Honestly, you know, he I know he got invited to the senior bowl. He accepted, so he's gonna be down in Mobile, man. And I I couldn't be happier. I'm right there with you. I I because he was on my scouting report list this past week. So I actually wrote out my scouting report on him. So I I was able to go in depth and see his traits. And I, I can see why you'd like him. I can see why everyone likes him. He is a sleeper in this running back class. And as you can see, like he wasn't even in my mock last time. You know, obviously, honestly, I hadn't heard a ton of him at that point, but then, you know, heard about him. You know, I kind of I kind of came across him a little bit. Then he obviously he goes to the senior bowl. So that gets him a bit of buzz. And then you scout him. And man, he is a good player. You know, I, I think to me, he was one of the more well-rounded backs that I've come across. You know, I think as a runner, I think he's got pretty good instincts. I think he's got pretty good lateral agility. You know, he's not he's not a, an elite athlete, you know. I think he has enough burst. You know, it's more of a long track explosiveness. He doesn't have great short area burst. He can get run down behind pretty easily in the pocket. But, you know, I do think he has some creative capacity. I love his balance. You know, he's not a north-south runner. You know, he can he can be creative. He can stack cuts. 
You know, he can bounce off contact. But then on top of that, man, I mean, going beyond running, he's a really good receiver too. I mean, this guy can roll out of the backfield. He he has a much more en enhanced route tree than you would expect for running backs. I mean, he does a lot of different things. He can go up the seam and, and catch passes downfield. You know, he can corral the ball. He can reach for it. So you love to see those ball skills from a running back too. And he can get run, run after catch yards. You know, he knows how to transition from a catcher to a runner pretty quickly. You know, he there are a few focus drops on tape, but, you know, I, I like that he has the natural ability. And then a pass blocker too. I think he brings the tools there too. I mean, he squares up guys. He's got good balance, you know, and I think he gets after it. You know, I, I love some of the reps that I saw because he wasn't shying away from those challenges. You know, he was standing tall and he was taking care of his assignment. So I, I think about, you know, what NFL scouts and coaches are thinking of in running backs because I think that, you know, the, the three down utility, the pass blocking, the pass receiving is something that gets underrated sometimes because, uh, you know, running backs, most of what they're doing is running, right? So that's kind of withdraws the highlights. But, you know, if you're an NFL scout or coach and you're thinking, what if I, you know, what if there's a blitz coming on third, third and long and I, who do I have on the field to protect my quarterback if someone gets free? You know, you don't want a bad pass blocking running back. So having a guy who has that pass blocking utility like Damian Pierce, I think that just helps his stock even more. So, you know, I, like I said, I don't think he has elite upside, but in the modern NFL, you don't like running backs are getting more and more replaceable. You know, that's just how it is. Right. So if you if you fall into a situation where you have a good offensive line, uh, and if you have at least good vision, you know, good contact balance and at least baseline traits like, right, I, I think that you can make something out of that. And if you're a good receiver and a good pass blocker on top of that, that that's going to help you get those opportunities sooner because they're going to trust you more. And I think that's the equation with Damian Pierce. So I really love the fit with the Chargers. You know, I think it's, it's a place where he won't be relied upon to be the guy. Obviously, they have Austin Eckler, but I think he, he kind of complements Eckler very well, you know. Eckler, they're both good pass catching backs, but Eckler is more of that, you know, explosive shifty guy. You know, Damian Pierce is more of the like he can move around a little bit, but, you know, his density, his ability to stay on his feet, you know, and his vision, that's really what makes him a, a, a good runner. So I think that they complement each other pretty well. Next, we have safety trading the third going to the Packers at pick 174. I love this one because I love the Packers defense as much as I hate the team themselves. Sorry, I know your friends from Wisconsin, but uh, I love trading. I love the Packers defense. I love them schematically. And I cannot wait to hear about this one. Yeah, man. I mean, you kind of hit the nails on the head and, you know, no worries with my friend. He's not even a football fan, so it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's um, this was a fun one, too. You know, Trey Dean was a guy who one of the guys who popped the most for me when I was studying guys before the last one. Because uh, I, I look at his frame, you know, he's 6'3", yeah, so he's a big guy, but he's also really athletic. He moves really easily, you know, really fluid, really explosive when, when he keys in on plays. So I think there's a lot of upside there. Didn't quite realize it this year, which that's, again, you can't really fault him for that. He was dealing with Todd Granham for most of the year, and then, you know, it, it was it was kind of rough. But, you know, there are, some, there are some areas for him to improve. I think mainly, I think what I said last time was on, on run defense reps, you know, coming, you know, filling in. You know, doing, you know, kind of holding your assignment, you know, coming into the box definitely needs to improve there. Sometimes took bad angles, didn't really wrap up with the contact point. But as a coverage safety, man, I think he's got all the tools. I mean, he's got the size, the fluidity, the explosiveness. And I think he's shown that he can key in on plays, too. He's got pretty good instincts on the back end. So, you know, there's a lot of upside there. And I think about this guy, I think he could play too high, single high. I think you could put him in the slot. I think he's kind of fluid enough to occasionally file in a corner sometimes. And he's done that at Florida. So. 
you know, he has that versatility to be that all around chess piece on the back end. And, you know, obviously with the inconsistency and in run defense, I don't think he's going to be an early round pick, but I think he's going to test really well. I think he's got enough playmaking ability that he's shown on tape where I'm going to say, Hey, I'm going to take a flyer on this guy. You know, it, it's a little weird because it's a little weird to think about because sometimes teams use those mid to late day three picks on like special teamers, right? You know, guys who can tackle guys who, you know, definitely fly around the field. Um, trading isn't quite that, that type of guy, you know, but he's a guy that you can bank on for upside in, in the mid to late rounds. I think, you know, having his skill set in the back end, I mean, he's a rare athlete, in my opinion. You know, still has a lot of need for refinement, especially on those run defense reps. But, you know, he's flashed that raw play, playmaking ability that, you know, makes me want to invest. And like you said, the Packers defense, you know, versatility is key, right? I think he can play multiple positions. I think he can play multiple alignments, you know, kind of fulfill the different roles. You know, for me, that was the thought process in that one, you know, having a rangy safety who can also come into the slot and, you know, fulfill that assignment as well, has the fluid hips to match guys. That to me was the big kicker for him, you know? So I think, you know, a lot of it, again, kind of with Justin Shorter is unrealized upside, but teams are confident, you know, coaches can be cocky sometimes like, Hey, I'm the one that who can make this guy work. And I think that people are going to look at Trey Dean and someone is going to say that, you know, this guy's got the talent, you know? So I think for him, it's just finding the right spot. I think the Packers could be a really good place for him. If you use him the right way, which is as that coverage chess piece, uh, I'm a big fan of the upside there. Yeah, and then we've got Jacob Copeland, wide receiver, uh, nicknamed the chosen one, uh, to the Lions at pick 236. Yeah, yeah, this was a fun one. I think, you know, I'm a Lions fan, so I know just how bad the receiving core is. They got my guy Amon Ross St. Brown, but aside from him, there's there's really not much there. I mean, they they definitely have a need for extra reinforcements and I, I think they drafted Traylon Burks I think they got Zay Flowers in this one too so they really loaded up on the receiving core but I think Jacob Copeland has just as much upside as the well not just as much I won't say that that's a little bold but he does have a lot of upside especially in the later rounds you know you look at his skill set I remember looking up his uh his high school athletic testing numbers I think it was like a 443 39 inch vertical so this guy has the goods right he's got that explosiveness he's got that speed the problem with him is you know, the production has never been quite up to par uh, in his career at Florida. And again, part of that's been the situation, right? So I'm not going to really fault him for that. But I do think the upside is there. And again, six foot 202. So I had I had to look up his, his size because I forgot. I knew he was over 200. I didn't know. I didn't know quite where it was, but 202, right? So that's a pretty dense frame. Uh, and then I remember watching him and seeing kind of, you know, kind of all the traits that you look for. For me, with wide receivers, I like to use the term three-level threat, which is can they separate, can they make plays at the catch point, and can they get yards after the catch? You know, I, I think for me, I, I didn't see a ton of opportunities at the catch point. So, you know, the, I think the sample size is a little small there, but I do think he can separate and I do think he can get yards after the catch because uh, I, I love the lateral agility that I saw, the quick change of direction. You know, I love the after the catch definitely has the frame density to you know withstand contact he's got that contact balance where you can kind of bounce off the guys a little bit which i love to see that from the receivers if you can just get them in space you know and then let them kind of withstand adversity kind of break tackles kind of get extra yards you know and not only does copeland have that contact balance but he also has that explosiveness to kind of get into space quickly you know so using those opportunities to your full advantage you know i think he definitely has that skill set I think he's kind of a hidden gem in this class. Now, the, the, again, the sample size is a little bit smaller, 
but the physical traits are there. I think that's kind of a common theme with a lot of these Florida guys is like they, uh, yeah. they, have, they haven't been utilized correctly, but the, the talent is definitely there. So you look at if you're an NFL guy looking at that, you're saying like, there's something here. I like this. There's something here. I can mold this into something. And I see Jacob Copeland is that kind of guy. And I think about, you know, where would he flourish the best? I think, you know, part of me thinks filing him, filing him in late in the rotation so he can learn and develop a little bit would be just as beneficial. But I do think with the Lions, he'd get opportunities more quickly. And I think in that light, maybe he can be a little bit of a spark plug in his first year when he's just relying on athletic traits, but not a lot of people know about him, right? So you get him on the field, just get him into space and let him use those natural traits. Uh, explosiveness and contact balance is a dangerous combination. And I love that, you know, I love being able to like shake off tackles and then explode into open field. You know, that's a, that's, that's a lot of fun can be had at receiver with those traits. That's why I was such a big fan of guys like Debo Samuel, you know, like I, I love when guys have that running back type ability at wide receiver. I think Jacob Copeland is a guy who kind of has that upside, you know? So I, I love that. It, it's something that for me, like, I'm not sure how highly rated these guys are going to be, but I do know that they're going to get chances because they have that natural talent. So I think going to the Lions with this pick, you know, the Lions definitely need to overhaul the receiving core. And I think for a team like Detroit or another team that has, you know, a, a need for talent, a dart of talent, you know, getting a guy like Jake Copeland late could be a high value addition because he's definitely a guy who has that high athletic floor. And so you look for that as guys who could potentially break in early, make some plays and maybe earn a lasting role. So, I'm a big fan of both him and Shorter. I'm going to be watching them throughout the process, you know, and I'm really hoping that they land in the right spot for their development because I think both of these guys are talented. You know, it's just the the, the way that the circumstances have played out for them in Florida, they haven't really been able to fully realize that. But I think especially this year, they both flashed a ton, you know, which is enough for me to say, you know, I'm going to take a chance on these guys. So I'm a big fan of the upside in the later rounds and the middle rounds. And especially with Copeland, I think he's got an all-around skill set to be that three level threat that, uh, that a lot of, a lot of teams kind of desire. So. Yeah. Cope played his heart out. If you watch the Missouri game that just happened, he, that guy was like, he got hurt, but he was still like yeah. trying his ASS off. So, I mean, I, I love that. Yeah. I love his- and that's, that's another thing. Like, like coaches love that heart, you know, they love that effort on the field. That's another thing. Like, you know, a lot of people don't talk about it, but that can be a determining factor for whether you're on a team's board or whether you're not. Do you give 100 percent? You know, and from what I've seen, Copeland definitely gives 100 percent. And You know, especially with the the situation, the state that Florida football has been in this year, you know, sometimes it can be hard to buy in a little bit. Right. So you give a little bit more credit for that, too. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for guys who can do that with other things on your mind. You know, just, hey, just play football, play 100 percent. Yeah, it, it seems it seems easy when you say it, but it can be harder than it sounds. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last Gator you have going in your mock is offensive tackle Gene Delance to the Chiefs at pick 242, just a few picks after Jacob Copeland. Yeah, this was this was one where, you know, the thought process was pretty simple, honestly. You know, with offensive linemen, I, you know, I like to find guys who have well-proportioned frames you know that's just kind of a thing like I, Jackson Kirkland was one guy I wasn't super high on coming to the year because he's definitely powerful he's definitely got quick you know technical hands but you look at his lower body it's cl- it's clear that he skipped a few leg days in there you know like definitely doesn't have the lower body density to withstand power at the NFL level like I, I think of guys in the NFL using long arms using bull rushes against them and like he's gonna get rolled back into the quarterback right so I, I like to, at the very least, in those later rounds, 
I like to find guys who have that, um, you know, that, that physical, that physical foundation where they at least have a good frame, right? So you can at least absorb power. So you can at least kind of develop off of that. And I do think Jean Delance has that. And he's also flashed at times the ability to get up to the second level with, uh, with pretty relative ease. You know, I think he's got decent power. So again, it, it needs some refinement for sure. He's definitely one of those later round guys. But when I'm looking for offensive linemen in those later rounds, I'm just looking for something I can mold, right? And I think you have to go with that. You just have to start at the very foundation of it, which is, you know, how is he put together? You know, is he well-proportioned? Does he have good length, decent length? I think Jean Delance at least has that. So I'm watching him. I'm watching the other guy too. I think uh, Richard Gogier, is that his name? Yeah, uh, he's- Gorridge. Gorridge, Gorridge. I knew it was either Gorridge or, or yeah, Gorridge, Richard Gorridge. He's also flashed a little bit too. I think both of those guys have pretty well-proportioned frames. So I think for me, when I'm looking at late round guys, that's the first thing I look for is just, you know, are they put together well? Can they at least absorb power? Uh, and do they at least have that physical foundation that I can build off of? So that was the that was the thought process there, especially especially with the Chiefs. You know, he's join, joining his guy, Kyrie Elam, uh, but the Chiefs have had some problem with depth uh, on the offensive line in the past so just get a guy in there that you can develop you know and if you put him in you know like he might not be as refined as he needs to be but at least he has a strong frame he's not going to get driven back automatically right at least he has that physical those physical abilities so that was the thought process for me there just kind of get some more depth and i think jean delance is a guy who has the uh, physical ability to develop yeah and uh i mean common theme with florida players yeah a whole bunch of unrecognized potential here so i know i feel like i feel like a broken record going through all these because it's just saying the same thing right i mean he's a talented guy you know he, he has the reason dan mullins doesn't have a job anymore <laughs> like as simple as that he his guys just never really worked out and that's... I, I i will tell you i'm very excited to see how these guys test and where they go because i you know it's a you're right it is a common theme I think a lot of these guys could be better pro players than college players just because of that, just because they're going to get the, the the development that they need and they could get the opportunities that they need. You know, maybe an NFL coach is going to see that talent and actually know how to utilize it. Right. That's half the battle. So I think getting them on the first off, getting them the, uh, you know, the coaching they need and then getting them on the field. And I think that a lot of these guys have the talent to be good players. It's just a matter of where they go. So I'm excited to, to see how this Florida class progresses. I know there's a few guys that didn't get drafted in this batch either, but you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't restrict the draftable pool to these guys. I think it, it extends even beyond that. So there's a few other guys that I thought about and I'm at least going to be, you know, I'm going to be happy to see how it all progresses. And I'm hoping that as many guys as possible, at least get opportunities in camp because there is a lot of unrecognized talent on this roster. So I hope that scouts kind of sift through it, see that and kind of act on it. And I, I also hope it. I want to see them in the league. Uh, thanks Ian. Uh, you can find Ian's work at pro football network and you can find Ian on Twitter at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again to Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network. Don't miss out on Monday where we'll take a look at Florida versus Florida State. Of course, we'll keep you updated on potential coaching candidates and all that fun stuff. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q with handicapping expert Lee Sterling. For Lockdown Gators, I am Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all Monday.